And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. It's Extra Credit, our weekly podcast looking at all things education and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And let's start the conversation with a story that's been getting a lot of traffic at IdahoEdNews.org. With a quick nod to 80s band Oingo Boingo, we had some weird science in the House Education Committee Tuesday, Clark. You were there. Tell us what all went happened. We did. And this is the kind of thing you wouldn't necessarily know that we were talking about science unless you were really closely paying attention. But the House Education Committee had a rule up for consideration that dealt with science and humanities standards, some 400 pages of standards. And a little bit surprisingly, Chairman Reed de Mordaunt um, recommended that his committee reject this rule, which would have enacted the new science new humanity standards, and uh, he, he basically said he had some concerns about how the public input process regarding these standards uh, was handled at the state level. And, and what we're talking about here is numerous standards, but some of the ones that they do get into are the age and the history, creation of the universe, global warming, climate change, that right. sort of thing. And so what Chairman de Mordaunt said is he was concerned that there wasn't a robust enough public input process on the front end of when these science standards were developed. But he didn't come out and say he thought that the law was broken. And as you looked at it, the State Board of Education followed the procedure for public comment. Right. The procedure is the standards were created by a group of science teachers that met early in 2015. State Board of Education voted on these standards in August, and then they followed the normal Uh, legal procedures, which are to allow a 21-day comment period that was open and then closed in October. So it looked like everyone at the state level did what they were supposed to in terms of notifying public comment, accepting public comment. But what, what appears happened is after the public comment window closed, late October into November, there were folks who found out about this thing and decided they wanted to make comment after that window had closed. And I guess that's where the concern comes in here with uh, members of the House Education Committee. Strange hearing, it sounds like, and you were there. I mean, we've all been there covering legislative hearings where it feels like what's on legislators' mind is not necessarily what's being talked about. Lance Clout was the only committee member who who went there on the issue of uh, of climate change, correct? Yeah, uh, they really didn't address the content of these standards much at all. They didn't really talk about what the standards were, what they were concerned about. They talked about the public input process. But Lance Clough, Republican uh, from Twin Falls, did take issue with standards as they relate to humans' role in global warming. There's a section on page 65 that talked about human activities have significantly impacted the Earth's biosphere. And Representative Klaus said, significantly compared to what? I think that you could write standards without using some of that terminology and still have appropriate science standards. So this is something that's on the committee's radar in terms of concerns, but that was the only real mention of of what exactly these standards are and and what the problem may be for some of these legislators. Uh, And Senate education will get their turn with it sometime here down the road. Right. They get the final say. If if Senate education passes it and and the Senate concurs, these standards can still be adopted. So the ball is kind of in the Senate's court here. And and we'll follow that and have the latest, whether it comes up next week or the week after, we'll be on top of that. But I wanted to shift gears. We've talked a lot on our podcast previously about the education budget. This week, the House took action on a 
tax cut bill, and people were saying this could affect education funding. What do they mean by that, Kevin? Well, we had a pretty heated debate on the House floor. Uh, the House passed a bill that will cut, that if it goes into law, would cut taxes by about $28 million, mostly in income tax, mostly on the, the higher end of the income tax brackets and the corporate tax rate. Uh, the debate that we heard Democrats who voted against this and testified and debated against it talked about, well, we're just now trying to dig out from under in terms of school funding. You still have a lot of funding issues and you have a school budget uh, that's still in play. Why are we taking money out of that base? So that was kind of the tone of the debate. Now this tax bill goes to the Senate and it's always kind of dicey to, to see what sort of uh, prospect any tax bill has on the Senate side. Uh, the backdrop here, too, uh, and you can go to idahoednews.org and read it. Uh, Governor Otter uh, released a, uh, a guest opinion on Tuesday trying to drum up support for his education budget, making sort of the uh, unusual claim, I hadn't heard anybody say this before, that uh, we're at a point where the next generation of Idahoans could be less well-educated, uh, have uh, you know, less uh, post-secondary uh, you know, education than the current generation. Very interesting claim. I've not heard anybody say it. So the debate about the budget and the debate about taxes seems to be uh, heating up a bit. Yeah, for sure. That's something we'll watch. The Senate may have a totally different approach to handling this than the House, especially given the emphasis on education. So we'll watch that closely. Now, Monday, we had kind of an unusual uh, joint hearing of the two education committees. Sherry Ibarra spoke, and, and it took a while, but she did commit some news in terms of the SBAC. Uh, we were both there. You wrote about it, Clark. Yeah, the SBAC, the Smarter Balance Test, that's the common core aligned test uh, that was given uh, really in earnest for the first time during the last school year, and there have been concerns across the state about this. But what Superintendent Ybarra said, making news uh, for the first time, was she said that she favors eliminating the high school graduation requirement to pass the SBAC test and also eliminating using this SBAC test at the high school level Altogether, um, I, I do want to point out that there was not a bill placed on the table or a proposal for the legislature to address this year. And Superintendent Ibarra said, this isn't something for this year. This may not even be something for next year. We're going to keep taking the test as normal, as planned this year. But for the first time, really, she began to talk about at least a partial exit strategy from this SBAC test. Right, Kevin? Right. And, and that was what was significant about this. But again, we're a couple of years out from this. And... You know, you know the, the SBAC will go on as planned this spring, so nothing really changes in the schools. But uh, you know, there is sort of this beginning of a conversation about getting out of the SBAC, whether it appeases uh, critics of the SBAC who want out sooner. Well, uh, that remains to be seen, and we'll, uh, we'll watch how the debate unfolds. And she also did mention that there is support among educators to move away from the SAT as the state's college entrance exam of, of choice and perhaps transition to using the ACT uh, on the day when the state pays for college entrance exams uh, for juniors to take those tests. And so uh, we'll try to find out uh, what the latest is with that and what that would mean. But again, probably another long-term proposal, not something for this year. But speaking of long-term proposals and big lifts for the legislature, uh, there's a group coming together to work on the state's funding formula. What can we expect here? Well, don't expect anything uh, anytime soon. This is a, a process that will take at least a year, probably two years. So I had the chance to sit down and talk to several of the legislators who are likely to 
have a seat at the table. Uh, Wendy Horman is likely to chair this from the House side. House Speaker Scott Bedke may or may not be on the committee. Uh, talked to uh, Dean Mortimer, the Senate Education Committee Chair, uh, Janie Ward Engelking, a Democrat from Boise who's on Senate Education and is likely to be on this committee as well. And tried to kind of get a sense of the pulse of this because it's it's such a big issue. It's going to be such a big lift to try to revamp the formula and rewrite it. And what I tried to do with the story, and it's a long story, it's a lot of detail, and uh, we, we posted the story on Thursday at IdahoHeadNews.org. What I wanted to do, 1994 was the last time the state rewrote right. the funding formula, and things have changed so much between 1994 and 2016. First of all, in 1994, the state was uh, facing a couple of lawsuits over school funding. That kind of brought folks to the table. In 94, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about academics. You know, this was really a revamp of the formula designed to make the lawsuits go away, and they kind of did, but they kind of didn't. This time around, a lot more of a focus on academics, a uh, focus on trying to revamp the formula to match mastery-based education. And the big thing, the really big thing here is, in 1994, the change in the formula came with a huge increase in funding. It was a $95 million increase, which is big, you know, especially sure. at the time. Per people spending went up by 16.2% in one year. That's a huge lift in terms of funding. It would take $350 million to do that today with our current budget and with our current enrollment. I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be $350 million on the table. So it's a really difficult process then when you're starting to do the formula, when you're starting to try to fix it. Because in a zero-sum game, there's only so much money to go around. If you take from one, there's going to be a loser, and you're going to create a winner in that process. So this committee has its work cut out for it. Long story short, because it already is a long story. I feel like I've talked about it for, for an hour here. Um, you're going to have an interim committee that's going to work between the 2016 and 2017 sessions to try to start to get this process going. Maybe focus on the mastery end of the equation. That's where Scott Bedke would like them to start. We'll follow it. And I just kind of wanted to lay out the uh, the groundwork of, uh, of what may may come here in the next few months. And this, yeah, this does have roots in the task force recommendations from 2013. They talked about moving away from an attendance-based model of funding to an enrollment-based model of funding. I believe that was the suggestion. The task force recommendations are sort of the guiding light for education policy and budget decisions at this point. So there may be uh, some emphasis and a priority behind this push. Uh, but it's a long time in, in the works. It's a long time push, and there is a lot of momentum when you just look at who is involved in this. You've got some very influential legislators who may have a, a role in this. Governor's office is going to have some involvement. Uh, Sherry Ibarra is supposed to uh, uh, have a seat at the table as well, State Board of Education. So you'll have, you'll have some pretty heavy hitters involved with this, but that doesn't uh, diminish the size of the task before, sure. the, before this committee. Now, on Thursday, we were also listening to a debate in the House Transportation Committee. We don't spend that much time dealing with transportation issues, but this one had to do with Orofino High School, the bid to try to... Uh, to sell a specialty plate supporting Orofino High School. The reason that this became controversial and really some, some moving and some heartfelt testimony about this in committee, Orofino High School's nickname is the Maniacs, and the logo uh, for the school uh, is offensive to, to 
quite a few of the folks who testified in committee on Thursday. Uh, the, the debate really kind of centered on does this uh, does this nickname, does this logo, and does this uh, potential license plate uh, stigmatize uh, those who suffer from mental illness? The committee wound up sending this bill to the amending order, which means that they may strike uh, reference to the nickname maniacs uh, from from the from the bill and from the license plate. So really kind of an odd, odd process now as it goes to the amending order. Shirley, and Orofino is located in close proximity to State Hospital North, which provides therapeutic uh, services for adults who suffer from mental illness. And so that was kind of the context and the backdrop. That the name may be offensive on its face, but certainly the State Hospital North is part of the community up there. And, and they did spend about an hour talking about this. A couple of reporters pointed out they spent about as much time talking about this one license plate issue as they did the Medicaid expansion hearing mm-hmm. that was held the day before. But things... The meeting really took on this surreal quality at the end. There were three competing motions on the table, and it may have been a bit much for the committee secretary because when she called on lawmakers to cast their vote, she referred to Representative Bateman as Representative Batman, and that, that just, Phyllis King, one of the members of the committee, started humming the Batman theme song, and it just led to a lot of, of laughter. Uh, so take a listen here for just a second. Representative Batman? Bateman? Sorry. <laughs> well, that changed the rhythm, <laughs> but they did get through it in the end, and, and they sent it to the amending order. They may or may not make the changes that the committee recommended, so the bill's been sidetracked a little bit, but could still advance. But I want to move on. We have a big week ahead. Kevin, you've been working on a profile of West Ada School District's new superintendent and some of the changes in leadership at that district. You've got a big piece that you've partnered up on. What can we expect? Well, I had a chance to sit down and talk to Mary Ann Reynolds with, uh, with our partners at uh, Channel 6 and Channel 9 here in, in Boise, Treasure Valley. Really interesting profile. I mean, this is a, a career educator. She has worked all over the state in a variety of different capacities, worked at the state level for a while as well. It was really a good chance to sit down and talk to her about what interested her in this job. You know, so much going on in the school district, uh, so much infighting that uh, has been going on in the past few months. You know, a lot of big issues that face this uh, this very large school district. Including recalls of the four of the five board members, Right, correct? right. and those recall elections are, are still apparently a go. I mean, they're... they're in, in place to where they may be on the ballot in May. She did not want to talk about the recall elections. Uh, I think she's trying to stay up outside of that issue, and I, and I can certainly understand her wanting to distance herself from that. But even outside of that, a lot of issues facing the district. It was a good chance to sit down and talk to her. So we will post that story on Monday. A lot of big stuff going on in the legislature. We, uh, we all, as a press corps, get to uh, listen to Governor Otter on Thursday. This is something that I worked on through my role with the Idaho Press Club. Last year, the governor, if you remember, Kevin, did not meet with the press corps during uh, the legislative session. He had surgery and he was busy. Uh, But this is a chance where 
most of the members, uh, most of the journalists who cover the legislative session from the Capitol will be able to interact with the governor on Thursday, ask him questions, whether it's about education or health care or whatever. So we'll both be there on Thursday morning. We're curious about uh, some of these education proposals that we've seen. And so we'll have full coverage of that on, on Thursday. Maybe if it's interesting, we'll talk a little bit about it on next week's episode of the Extra Credit Podcast as well. And we will have everything that's going on at the State House. Uh, as it pertains to education, so follow us at idahoednews.org. And in the meantime, come back next week for another episode of Extra Credit. I'm Kevin. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Clark.